are the publishers and the authors of the Short Go books, like Short Go makes the NFR, as well as an awesome coloring book and some other cool things. So we're really excited to have them on board to provide some cool, fun stuff for the littles. And we're just all kinds of cool stuff. It's going to be super fun. We're going to invite some guest speakers. Um, so it's going to be a place to stop by so you can learn, grab some Rodeo Kids swag for support. We've got some really cool motivational things to help you keep uh, your mind in the right place when you're competing and we just want to be there to encourage you and have some fellowship and just love on you and provide some cool opportunities for you to win some scholarships you do not have to be a competitor at the event just come hang out watch the rodeo maybe meet up with some of your buddies like it's going to be awesome again that is the vegas toughest during the nfr is where rodeo kids will have their large booth all kinds of cool things going on so we want you to come join us we will be there december 6th through the 13th so let's get started with trey casey the kid in the can being interviewed by rodeo kids team leader madison horde Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast, where we empower youth to be their best selves through the values and traditions of the rodeo and Western lifestyle. My name is Madison Hoard, and welcome to the Rodeo Kids podcast. So you might already know him as the kid in the can, but Trey Casey is a rodeo clown, high school national qualifier, and the 2022 Mid-States Rodeo Clown of the Year. He's also born into a long line of auctioneers. So I guess the first question would be, what made you start clowning? Uh, so about three years ago, COVID hit, you know, and uh, I'd always kind of liked the entertainment part of rodeo. And um, I, uh, I had a lot of time on my hands because we weren't going to school. And so uh, I'd always liked the entertainment part of rodeo. I'd helped rodeo clowns when I was a little kid with their acts and stuff. And so I had a lot of time. And so I just started kind of building stuff and building different comedy acts. And then uh, I actually uh, went to work for Earl and Carrie Proctor down at their bull riding. They put on Pro Edge Arena every Saturday night in the wintertime. And uh, I went to work for them and kind of got a start and it just snowballed from there. I know you just got up here from Alabama for a while, but everybody missed you at the high school rodeo at Cow Camp. I sure miss going, but sometimes the schedules conflict, so. So I know you're a senior, so how are you getting everything done with still being in high school and clowning? So I actually started doing online last year, second semester. I started in the winter, and it's actually worked out really good for me. I started it this year, too. I, I do all my classes online. And usually if I sit down Monday morning and work through it really hard for four or five hours, I can complete my whole school week. And then I have the rest of the week to do or go anywhere I need to go. It's And if I'm on the road like this last week, I was in Alabama and Mississippi for two weeks and South Carolina. And so when I just get a free time, I just sit in my trailer and do my school work and then go rodeoing. How many times a week do you clown in Michigan? Um, just depends throughout the summer. We're actually, I actually wasn't in Michigan very much this summer. Um, I did a lot of rodeos in Indiana, Ohio, but it just depends. Uh, I'd have one or two a week in Michigan and the rest would be in Indiana or elsewhere. So, so I, as I mentioned earlier from a long line of auctioneers, so I remember at the high school finals, I think in 2021, the scholarship auction. So can yeah. you, a little bit more about that and your experience auctioneering. So uh, I fourth generation auctioneer. It's been in our family for four generations now. I'm the fourth. My great grandpa did it. My dad or my grandpa did it. My dad and uncle do it. Now I do it. Um, it's something that we've always kind of done. We used to own two sale barns. Um, now we just go around Michigan and Indiana and Ohio selling different livestock auctions. I personally started when I was younger and I just kind of we were, I'd mess around with it when I was little and because I always wanted to be like dad and grandpa and then uh, I uh, just kind of started doing little sales and stuff I did a friend of ours club lamb sale for a while I've started to get away from it a little bit more not because I want to but just because my 
schedule so busy with clowning, you know, and rodeoing, so I don't get a chance to be home to go to the sales like I would. But dad and grandpa, they still sell weekly livestock and horse and pack auctions. We've sold everything from real estate to horses and tack to livestock to exotic animals. So um, it's kind of spread out. And if you've got it, we can sell it. So. So does your whole family usually go with you when you around? Not really. It depends. Like this summer, my sister would go with me. I'd take her some places or mom and dad would like meet me at the rodeos. Cause usually when I would leave, I'd just be gone for however long I'd have a run of rodeos and leave and, and would take my own truck and trailer. And then they would come to whatever rodeos they could, but it was just easier to stay gone than it was to come back home and go back and forth to different rodeos and stuff. So this last two weeks, they weren't with me. I went down to um, South Carolina and Mississippi alone and uh, I'll, think I've got a rodeo in Saugat, Illinois this weekend. I think mom might go with me, but no, most of the time I was traveling alone. Henry wants to know, what's the most unique animal you've ever auctioned off? Most unique animal? Um, personally, I think probably a zebra. I've, that's probably one of the more exotic ones. Uh, at them exotic sales, though, there's everything from zebras to camels to alligators to monkeys everything so uh it's pretty interesting to go i actually this last november i bought a kangaroo um and was going to use it in a clown act but decided that if i was going to get one i better get a baby one because uh the one i had he was he was almost already grown and uh he wasn't cut yet so he was kind of mean but he wasn't mean, but he just wasn't tame. So I decided to sell him. And if I get another one, I'll get a baby one and raise it from a baby. So, but yeah. Where did you get your Brahma from that you use? Um, actually, I got him from Adrian Mast. He lives in Ohio. Uh, he's probably one of the best cattle trainers in the world, or in the United States at least. Uh, he has broke a lot of them to ride and drive and. He's had a lot of picture bulls that he'll take to rodeos and take pictures and stuff with. So, uh, yeah, he uh, he's a cool guy. And he got me Becks. And I've had Becks for probably a year and a half now. And he's he's my buddy. He's just like a big dog. So, Why did you want to work with cows in your axe and not something else? When I was little, I had a little Zebu bull, which is basically like a miniature bramer. And... Um, his name was Flash, and I had a couple of Zebu cows, and I had a little herd, and uh, that's what I did was raise calves, and uh, he was actually broke to ride, and I'd ride him around the yard and everything, and that kind of started my love for riding cattle, but uh, I just kind of thought it was cool and thought it was something different that not a lot of people had, and it's actually a really good secondhand income because when I go to the rodeos and stuff, I'll set up a little booth if we or if they want to do promotion and stuff, and people take pictures on them and it actually makes pretty good money. So. So I saw that you're on the 2023 Smarty Young Pro Extreme team. Yep. Yep. I'm uh, I'm on the team again this year. Can't have anything bad to say about them. I love, I love Smarty. I love what they're doing. They really give us kids a great opportunity uh, to come down and do their, do their clinic deal that they put on. Um, they're just really great people. And it's a really great program. Yeah. So what does that entail? You sign up and you have to go through like, a, I forgot what everything we had to do, um, but you sign up and then it's kind of like rounds. And if you move past the first round, then you got to like take a video saying, this is who I am. This is what I do. Kind of what I'm about, you know, and you send it in and then they'll evaluate that. And then if you get on the team, uh, basically the biggest thing that they do for you is they will, they put on a clinic. Uh, I forgot. When was that clinic? in May. Or, yeah, I think it's in May of every year. And they bring you down to Texas. It's all expenses paid. If you can get there, they take care of all the, all the clinic fees and they feed you and all that. You just got to get there. Um, and they've got the top guys and girls in the world there to coach you. So it's a full-on week. Basically, you get everything from not just roping, but you get life skills, how to you know manage your money on the road, how to pick your traveling partners. It's really more than just rodeo and roping. It's a whole lifestyle. So it's, I would encourage anybody to join it or at least try to get on the team. It's a really great opportunity. Yeah. Is this the first year they did the young pro extreme team? Yeah. So 
before it was just the young pro team. And then the extreme team they made this year to kind of keep some of the kids that uh, really excelled last year um, or that they wanted to keep in the program. They created the extreme team. So like we're the second year kids that came back to kind of help with uh, the first year kids. So I was really blessed to have the opportunity to be on it. Yeah. So around how many members are there in that? I really don't know. I can't remember. I want to say 20 something, 30 something of us on the team. Maybe not that many, probably 20 something, but boys and girls from all over the world uh, or all over the country. And I've made a lot of really good friends uh, going down to that clinic and meeting new people. Is there an age range? Yes. I think it's, I think it's 15 to 18. I think I know that you got to be in high school to go at least. So, cause Kayan, this is going to be her first year or no next year will be her first year applying for it. But honestly, like if you have an older kid that does get on the team, they encourage you to bring your whole family. So it's a, it's a really a great experience. I learned so much. My sister, my mom, my dad, everybody learned so much from just going. And like I said, they teach you everything from roping from some of the greats. They've had Charlie Crawford there, Trevor Brazil, all kinds of guys. Uh, Jackie Crawford was there for the girls for the breakaway. Just everybody you can think of uh, that you'd want to learn from is usually there. Um, that's part of Team Smarty. Uh, they've had Junior. I really enjoyed listening to him talk last year. They're just, it's its really great experience. And like I said, if you can get there, they pay for the whole clinic cost. They feed you lunch, dinner, and they're just really great people to work with. Is it just one clinic per year? Yes, I think, well, they were doing just one. I know that they've also got like a Helomatic Extreme Team or something. I don't remember exactly what it's called, but it's like the Helomatic side because Smarty purchased Helomatic. But they've kind of put it together. I know that some, I'm thinking some of the kids from a Smarty deal went to that one. But yeah, usually they're, they're two different separate clinics, one for the Helomatic team and one for the Smarty team. So you're such a great public speaker. And I recall a few years ago that you made it to um, the States for FFA. Uh, what, cate what category do you remember? Yep. It was uh, conduct of meetings, I believe. Oh. Or parliamentary procedure. It's been so long. I, uh, I'd like to, I would have liked to stay more involved with FFA. Um, being gone as much as I am, it's kind of hard. Uh, I'm still the parliamentarian at our high school, but I'm there for the meetings and, and get that kind of stuff done, but I don't get the chance to be in the competitions or anything like that anymore. So how has FFA shaped you uh, to be who you are today? It's really helped me. I've always been an outspoken person. <laughs> you can ask my parents that I've always uh, had something to say, but FFA kind of helped me. I don't know, not tone it down, but make it a little more formal and what I'm going to say help me not just argue but create an argument and present it formally not just you know say whatever I'm thinking and it really helped me with my leadership um, I was a president in middle school and then I was the vice president in high school for a year or so so it helped me with my leadership and kind of overseeing people and um, making sure everything runs smooth so so who has been your supporter throughout your whole life like your biggest supporter Probably my mom and dad, uh, as I like to say, I've got I've got sponsors, but mom and dad are the best sponsors of all. You know, they've been there since day one. So uh, they've really helped me out. Um, my grandparents, both my grandparents, um, my little sister, she helps me out a lot. We don't always get along. Most of the time we do, but we fight a little bit. And uh, but I really appreciate her because at rodeos and stuff, she'll uh, make sure my horse is saddled and ready. And that way I can rope during the rodeo and not have to worry about it when I'm clowning. She does chores while I'm gone, so that makes it pretty nice. But yeah, so um, what's your favorite part? I'd have to say my favorite part is it's kind of like I don't get paid to do my job. I get paid for the miles and the time it takes to do my job. I do my job free because I don't know. It's something about looking up in the front row and seeing little kids smile and laugh. You know, seeing anybody smile or laugh and just make their life a little bit better for two hours uh, and take their mind off anything and everything that they've got going on at home, whether it be, you know, going through hard times, divorce, 
mom and dad are fighting, whatever it is, just take their mind off of it and make them happy and smile and have a good time for two hours. Uh, if I can do that, I feel like my job's complete, you know? Yeah. So how do you read a crowd? Like, are there differences between different areas of the country that make, uh, make the jokes harder? Oh, yeah. So I'd have to say Northern Michigan is one of the hardest places to make people laugh. They, uh, there's a few towns that we go to that you kind of got to beg them to <laughs> get into it because they've just got such a dry sense of humor and uh, it doesn't make them any less or bad rodeos. It just, uh, you got to work a little harder to get something out of them. You know, they've just got such a dry sense of humor. There's one town that we go to every year. They had a rodeo there every Friday or Saturday night for a long time. So the people are kind of rodeoed out, you know, so they're there to watch the rodeo, not, not watch the clown or see what he's doing. So they don't really, they see you, but, and they'll like laugh and clap and everything, but they don't really care if you're there or not. They're just there to watch the rodeo. So there's places like that that make it a little hard. And then there's places that, man, it's just, you don't even have to ask them. You just look at them, you know, go like this and they'll blow you out of your seat. You know, Armada, Michigan, 13,000 people in the grandstands. That's probably one of the best places I've ever worked. That's a super fun rodeo. Toledo, Ohio at the Huntington Center. Those people are some crazy rodeo fans. I've been to a lot of places where, like I said, it's just amazing to work because you don't even have to ask them. They're just there to have fun. And then, like I said, there's some places that you go and you're like, all right, guys, get your hands clapping, you know, come on. So uh, it just kind of depends where you're at. You kind of got to read the read the situation. And um, after going to a place a year usually if I come back the next year I kind of got a good idea how to make them get into it uh or if I'm going to a new place I kind of ask the local people or the guys on the committee you know what are these people like what are they not like who's the football team that everybody cheers for here kind of this and that so that way I have an idea of what I can play off of and uh kind of get a better idea how to make these people enjoy their time yeah do you have like your five jokes that you always use yeah, I've got one or two that I usually like will open the rodeo with, depending on, because it's all about reading the situation at hand. So usually at a lot of the IPRA rodeos I do and all the rodeos, um, they'll bring me out after the or after the bareback riding, and they need three minutes to get from the rough stock end down to the timed event end, get the timed event cattle loaded. So they'll bring me out, we'll do a little hand clap, and the announcer and I will go back and forth, and then we'll go into a joke. And uh, depending on, you know, how long it takes them to get the calves loaded, to get the steers loaded, get the barrier pulled, get the person into the chute or into the box. Um, I just kind of got to read it and then I can slow down or speed up my joke. Um, but yeah, I've got one or two that I've kind of hang with that are a good one to start the rodeo with. And then I've got four or five that I can work in throughout the rodeo if we need to take up some time. Can you bring Bex to every single rodeo? Not every one of them, but a lot of them. I do an act with them at a lot of them. I haven't used them very much this summer just because I've been kind of giving them a break. Um, I just got a new clown car, so I've been using that a lot. Uh, but uh, actually, and a lot, there's another guy that does a bull act too, and he'll tell you too. My act that I do with them, it's okay. It's not my favorite act. I don't, I personally don't think, I think it's funny and it's kind of cute, but I don't think it's my best act. But for some reason, I guess Bex is just cute enough. Everybody loves him. They think the act's great. So even though we don't think it's our best act, people love it. So um, it just kind of depends if I take, I usually, like if I used them at that rodeo last year, I won't use them again this year just because I want to bring something else that people haven't seen, you know? Mm, yeah. So, uh, but most of the time I do take them just because, and honestly, it really is really good promotion for the rodeo because if people come one night and they see him and they get a picture with him and take, you know, take a picture, pet him, their kids love him the kids are obviously going to want to come back the next night. So it just, it kind of helps sell tickets and we've used them everywhere from we've had them at car dealerships all the way to, I walk them, you know, he'll walk down the side of the street with traffic going by. He's just, uh, he's a gentle giant. So he's really good for rodeo and a really good promotional item. What are some differences in from like riding a horse to riding a bull? You have to have a lot of balance, which I don't have. Um, I've fell off them a couple times. So cattle, they don't have any withers like a horse does. And especially a bramer having as much loose skin as he does, you kind of like got to squeeze with your knees a lot because otherwise you're going to go whoop and fall off to the one side. 
Um, he, uh, he, uh, and you can't really put a saddle on them. I mean, you can, but since they have no withers, it really just kind of slides off and you can't like, if you suck it into them too tight, then it hurts. So it's kind of hard to judge. I usually just ride him bareback with a set of split reins. He'll rein around like a horse. He'll stop back up everything. Um, you just kind of got to, you can't just chill out. You kind of got to keep your knees, you know, pressed against them and keep tight. So that way you don't fall off. Of your resp- responsibilities as a clown. So my job as a rodeo clown is to, uh, A, entertain the people, um, keep them hand clapping, toe tapping, having a good time, bringing a smile to their face. And then B, during the bull riding, be kind of a backup bullfighter and island of safety uh, to the bull riders and the bullfighters. During the, we're, we're having fun all night, you know, messing around, joking around when it comes to the bull riding. Uh, I get a little more serious. I'll crack a joke here and there, or if we need to take up some time, like if a bull's not working in the chute, or if he's wanting to lay down, I'll get out of the barrel, go do something with the crowd. Uh, we'll do some sing-alongs or some hand clapping and stuff. But I kind of stay in the barrel and stay ready during the bull riding. That way, if a bull rider gets hung up, a bullfighter gets hit, I can kind of work the barrel in there, keep everybody safe, and uh, have a good time. So, So how do you set up your jokes? So a lot of the times, like most of this summer, I worked with Matt McGee and like we would work just about every rodeo together. So once we kind of get in a rhythm of what we're going to do, we don't even really have to talk about it beforehand. We just kind of know what our jobs are. A lot of times, most of my jokes, they don't really have to because I, you know, I set it up. I give the punchline. All they have to do is kind of set me up for the joke. So like, you know, Trey, why were you late? Or man, you're looking nice today. Where'd you get them jeans or whatever? And then I can kind of go into it. And then it's just kind of a play off of each other, follow along type of deal. So how did you get hired? Like I said, I started off with Earl and Carrie Proctor down at Pro Edge, um, right there in Hillsdale, Michigan. Great people. Awesome arena. If you don't have anything going on a Saturday night, anytime this winter, I would encourage everybody to go down there. It's a great family show. They buck 30 or 40 bulls each night on every Saturday night. It's a good time. But uh, that's kind of where I got started. I would go every weekend throughout the winter. It really... <laughs> It made me build a bunch of acts because it's the same five, 600 people that are there every Saturday night because there's nothing else to do in Hillsdale, Michigan, other than go to the bull riding. So uh, it really, it helped me. At the time, it was kind of a lot of work because I was having to build a new act each week, but now I've got a good set of acts to work with. But usually what happens is the stock contractor will call me. I'll check my date book, make sure I don't have anything booked that day, and then I'll put it down and then I go work for him. Or like Mike Johnson, Three Bar J Rodeo Company and Ranch down there in Indiana. He just sends me his whole date book and then I fill in where I can. But uh, my first year there, I worked for Earl and Carey all winter. And then that summer, I had four rodeos for Super Kicker Rodeo Company. And then the next year, I did just about all of their rodeos. So that was about 30. And then I did uh, some of Shane Ingstrom's Flying Star rodeos. And so uh, I had about 45 rodeos last year. Um, And that was really cool for me because I never expected to have it blow up that big. And then this year I had what, I think 55 or 60 performances this year, which was awesome. They were all IPRA mid-state rodeos. So uh, we were going to some bigger rodeos and uh, we've spread out from not just Michigan, but I've been to Indiana, Ohio, Mississippi, Tennessee, South Carolina, I'm going to Illinois again this weekend, just kind of all over. So I got a call to go to Canada the other day. Didn't really understand the guy. I just understand bull riding and he was French. So couldn't really understand him over the phone, but I got bull riding and date and I actually already have that date booked. So I'm not going to go to Canada, but uh, it's just kind of spread up uh, and spread out and kind of blown up and I couldn't be more thankful for it. Is this your first year traveling down south to clown? Yeah, I did Florence, Alabama last year, and that was kind of my only Southern rodeo I had. I'd gotten calls to go down there, but I'd either it either didn't work out because I already have dates and rodeos booked to where it didn't really work out last, or the year before. But this year, I kind of got with a bunch of guys, and uh, they called me early enough in the season that I got it booked to go down there. And um, After both rodeos, I just did this last week after Chesterfield, South Carolina, and Burnsville, the committee came up and said, hey, we want you back next year. So it looks like we're going to be going back down south next year. But I hope to kind of expand that way more. I'd really like to get some more spring and fall rodeos because that's a slow time for me. 
summer's pretty much booked up, but uh, I'd like to fill in the winter and the fall. What's some of your advice to your younger self? My biggest advice would probably be, I don't know, there's a lot. <laughs> Just slow down and appreciate what you do have. I was always like, for the longest time, I thought I got to have more, I got to have more, I got to have more, I got to have more rodeos, I got to do better acts, I got to do bigger things. And then I reminded myself, dude, you're 16 years old and have a job that a lot of people wish they had, um, a full truck and trailer, a bull, a clown car, you know, you're getting to go a different place every weekend, slow down and enjoy it. Don't, don't get caught up on, you know, I got to have bigger, I got to have better, I got to do better, I'm not good enough, you know, just slow down, appreciate it, don't ever stop working for it, you know, um, I strive to be better every day, I watch videos of what I did wrong, buy more props, build more props, try to find something else I can work into my routine to make myself better, but I would probably just say, slow down and appreciate it, and kind of let everything take its course and just enjoy it so what's your favorite joke i tell my turkey joke a lot to start the rodeo because it's really good because it's kind of like the announcer will be like man you promised me you'd be here at four o'clock you got here at six what is your problem why were you late and i'll be like man i wasn't late i was just fashionably on time he's like no you were late and i explained to all these people why you're late well we were going down the highway about 65 mile an hour big old tom turkey ran right out in front of me oh yeah yeah he ran out in front of me and I smoked him. He rolled up over the truck and trailer and he hit a state trooper right behind me. And the announcer would be like, really? Well, then what happened? Like, man, that state trooper, pretty soon, Beto, Beto, here come the popo. He rolled up behind me. He pulled me over, Matt. He'd be like, well, what, what did he do? And I was like, well, he walked up there and he wrote me a ticket. Well, what do you write your ticket for? And I'd be like, well, for flipping him the bird, you know? And then uh, he'll be like, oh, Trey, you know, you got to be nice to them guys. They're just doing their job. And I'm like, man, you're right. He was a nice guy. He was so nice. He flashed me the peace sign when he left. Oh, yeah, what'd you do? I gave it back to him half off, you know. And uh, people usually like that because everybody's experienced. Because that's the thing you got to kind of do is associate what people know, you know. And everybody's had an experience where they've had a cop pull them over, you know, and had a bad experience with the cop. So I kind of play off that. And uh it, most of the time it works unless you're in northern Michigan and then people are like ah cool guy got pulled over <laughs> but uh yeah does your sis does your sister help you with any jokes and like any props um she makes a lot of jokes about me but uh that's about it <laughs> um no she uh like I said she's actually really helpful um I do a deal where I'll enter a lot of the rodeos that I'm clowning at and so if I drop in the perf uh, I kind of got a rope during the perf and uh, actually I wrote better because I don't know why I just I guess it's because I don't think about it as much and I think well I'm the clown if I do good great if I don't I mess up people won't know the difference but she'll always have my horse ready and saddled and warmed up and that way she's good to go she's given me a few things to you know that I've worked into jokes but yeah I, I really do appreciate her and everything she does yeah what are some I mean, for me, I have so much more time to do stuff. What are some pros and cons? So, at first, when I first started it, I thought, man, you know, I was good at doing it at COVID because I have the mentality of, okay, if I get up, get it all done, I'm done for the day. My sister, on the other hand, she has the mentality of, well, I have all day to do it. But I had the mentality of, if I just get it done, I'll be good to go. And And a lot of kids aren't like that. And if you can't, you know, stay on track. Maybe online schooling isn't for you. But like for people like us that are motivated to do it, I think it's the best thing in the world because I get up, I do my schoolwork. I can get it done 10 times faster than sitting in school all day. It's simple. If I do need help, I still can call my teachers at school or whoever's, you know, teaching that class that day to help me. And they usually can get right on it. And it just allows me a lot more free time to do anything I really do need or want to do like I said I'm gone rodeoing for two three weeks at a time so I can't be home to <laughs> do school but when I can have it on my computer I can do it when I'm going down the road I can do it 
you know, when I'm sitting in my trailer at night, when I get done with everything, it just kind of allows a lot more flexibility to be able to do things, not only when I'm rodeoing, but when I'm home during the winter, go to the sale barn, haul cows, plow snow, feed, anything that really needs done around the ranch. Because uh, dad and grandpa go to the sale barn, I can get done and make it a lot easier on everybody. So the only con I would say is sometimes, sometimes they give you stuff that's kind of hard to do by yourself online. And then you just kind of got to work it out and figure out how to do it by yourself. But uh, when they give you like a group activity and it's just you, <laughs> but uh, other than that, I really like it. The only thing I do miss is I am a very social person. I talk a lot, but uh, I miss going to school. I miss seeing my friends. I'm still really good friends with everybody. I see them on the weekends and I'm home and after school we hang out and stuff, but I do kind of miss the social aspect of it. But um, going online was definitely for me and helped me a lot. Oh yeah. What was your biggest turning point in your career so far? I don't know. There's been a lot. I, uh, I've not had anything huge happen. Got a chance to work the mid-state finals my first year I clowned. So that was really awesome. Really a blessing and got voted clown of the year in the mid-states. So that was kind of a, kind of a wake up point of, man, this is actually like working out. I'm, I'm really doing. And, uh, I got selected to work the Mid-State Finals once again this year, so that's a really cool deal. Um, it'll be October 13th and 14th. We'll be down in Swanton, Ohio, uh, doing the finals. So that's super cool that I got selected two years in a row. Um, and it really just uh, pushes me to do better and keep growing and try harder and uh, just continue with my career. Yeah. So what are some goals for you for next year? I have goals, but I always keep moving them. <laughs> I have a problem with once I achieve it, well, then I want to do it even better, and uh, which I guess is not a bad problem. So my goal the first year I ever clowned was work the Mid-State Finals. I achieved that. This year, my goal was to work the IFR. Um, I wanted to work the IFR before I was 18 years old. I thought that'd be cool. Uh, I applied for it. Uh, Mike Wetworth applied for it. Rob Gann, um, really great guys. Mike's been in the IPRA forever. Um, everybody knows him. He got selected to the finals this year, which is great. I wouldn't rather lose to anybody else. You know, he's uh, he's a great guy and a real class act. Um, so that that uh, goal kind of got through out the window of doing it before I'm 18. But now my goal is before I'm 21 to work the IFR. So I've got another two, three years. So um, that's my goal right now. Um, and basically just to better myself, get more rodeos, get higher paying rodeos. Uh, and make more people laugh and smile. Yeah. So what future or what did your future look like after high school? Um, so as I said, I'm online. Uh, I'm going to keep doing that this year when I graduate. Uh, I don't think I need to, but I, I guess I understand that I need to. I don't want to. Uh, but mama says we're going to go to college. So I'll take a year business degree just so I have a degree online um kind of like i'm doing here in high school just get a two-year business degree uh that way i have a degree um and uh just kind of keep doing what i'm doing clowning uh it's actually a lot of people you know they think oh yeah you're rodeo clown haha and uh but really it, it's actually a really good job it pays pretty dang good um i get to pick my own schedule go where i want when i want work for who i want um still allow myself to rope and rodeo um and it's it's a really cool job um and uh, I kind of want to continue to do that uh, eventually. You know, I already help with the family businesses now, but take those over eventually um, and just keep on with life. But do you, do you see yourself like doing planning like a long term thing? Yeah. Yeah. I th as of right now, I think so. Yeah. Um, like I said, I really enjoy it. I wouldn't rather do anything else. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just, I love my job. It's, it's kind of that simple and uh, wouldn't rather do anything else. So I kind of see it as a long-term deal. And the older I get, the better I'll get. And uh, I'd like to eventually get in the PRCA. Um, my uncle, he ropes in the PRCA and he's friends with some stock contractors. And already was talking about getting me some rodeos next year, but I don't know if I'm going to get my card or not or get my permit. Um, I don't know if I want to wait a little bit, maybe get better at my craft and get more skilled before I get my PRCA card. I haven't really decided yet, but uh, it's definitely something I'm going to 
get into in the future. And uh, as of right now, just basically better myself and do a better job at doing what I do. So when did you start high school rodeo? Um, I think it was my sixth grade year. Uh, we All of our friends were doing it. Um, my parents high school rodeoed. Uh, I honestly, until about sixth grade, like I roped and, and rodeoed a little bit, but I didn't really want much to do with rodeo. I rode horses and around the ranch here and stuff, but I just, I didn't really like practicing. <laughs> um, so I just really never had much to do with it. I'd rather be in the woods or building something or uh, going to the sale barn. And so I didn't really get into it until sixth grade. I kind of took an interest in competing again um, and started shoot dogging and tying goats and breakaway in and all that. And then when I got into high school, um, I, uh, decided to drop the shoot dog and the bulldog and because you know you got to move up to steer wrestling and I went to a rope Myers clinic had a great time I would encourage anybody to go that wants to learn to bulldog but I just learned it wasn't for me um I don't have any reason to get off a horse going 30 mile an hour um and hit the ground that hard <laughs> I uh I knocked myself out the first time I tried um got back up uh threw a steer that day off a horse and I decided to retire a champion in my own heart and be done. So, uh, but I break weight, um, in middle school there. And then I started roping calves in high school, team roping, heading, healing. Uh, I did the 22 light rifle and, um, also shot trap and, uh, actually did a lot of cutting too. So, um, I've done a little bit of it all. Uh, but, uh, yeah. How many years did you qualify for high school rodeo final? pretty sure I qualified all of them. I, I did qualify all the years that I've been in it. Um, I didn't go my sixth grade year. I went my seventh grade year and then we went every year since. So. Nice. So Camry, do you have any questions left? I've always got questions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, first I just want to say thanks Craig, for joining us. Um, I've got, I'm the founder of Rodeo Kids and so, um, we're just really thankful to have you and I've been seeing your stuff on social media and it looks like you're just doing a really good job and it's really cool to see you know young people like you going out there and putting themselves out there uh, in an adult world you know, you're yes, that step. and that takes you know a lot of courage to be willing to put yourself out there in front of crowds of people in front of rodeo committees to decide whether they're going to keep you or not keep you for the next year and stop contractors and all those people. I mean, you're one person out there having to perform for two hours to two and a half hours to get through, you know, injuries. You got to be able to, to distract the crowd or keep the crowd engaged, you know, and, and that's just a really big task. Um, so I just want to applaud you for, for putting yourself out there at your age to do that kind of stuff. And um, I guess one of my questions is just what, how, how do you find that courage and, and how do you keep that inspiration to continue doing that? Because I'm sure it comes with its own set of roadblocks and struggles from time to time. Yeah. So that's a great question. And um, I guess, like I said, I've always been outspoken. I've always not minded being, you know, the guy that stands up and says something. Um, sometimes that's got me in trouble. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I guess, like I said, I've always kind of not minded speaking up and talking in front of people. Um, and like I said, that's been a blessing and a curse sometimes because like I said, I've gotten in trouble before from mom and dad. You don't always have to say what you're thinking. But like, kind of like what I told Madison, the reason I love my job is because of the impact I can have on people's lives. And if I can take somebody's mind off of whatever's going on at home, whatever bad nor, or good, you know, is going on at home and hold their attention in the palm of my hand for two hours um, and make them just have a good time and cut up and think, man, that was a good experience. That's what really drives me to uh, continue it and do better and uh, keep doing what I'm doing. I will admit there's sometimes that, like I said, when you're working them harder crowds or even like there's not really a way to practice what I do. You just kind of got to do it and see if it works. So like I've tried some acts and stuff where like you think it's going to be great and everybody's going to laugh and it's going to work perfectly. And then it just sucks. And 
you're out there and you know that you hit the punchline or something's supposed to happen and it doesn't happen like your bomb doesn't go off or your bull doesn't do his trick and you're standing there and you want to dig a hole and crawl in it and just cry because you're like man that that sucked and now I look dumb um and that's probably the biggest block there has been is just when that kind of stuff happens you just got to keep your head up um and keep on rolling with it. And generally, if you roll with punches and act like nothing's wrong, nobody will ever know that there was ever anything wrong. Because 90% of the time, when stuff doesn't work, if you're good at covering up, the people never know it didn't work because they, they've they never seen it before. Now, a lot of the guys behind the shoots that are all my buddies, they think it's funnier than heck because, you know, uh, they know that it wasn't working. That's not what's supposed to happen. Um, but, uh, and like I said, Sometimes, especially when I first started, it was hard to just be like, okay, and just keep on rolling with it and not get in my head. Because when something doesn't work like that, you can't just like freak out or lose, you know, lose yourself and start stumbling over words and, and uh, just kind of freak out. You got to keep a cool, calm, uh, collected self and just roll on with it. And like I said, 90% of the time, people never know that it didn't work or the mess up makes it even funnier than what the actual act was going to be. I remember one time this summer, um, I've got this Tony Lama. I call him Tony Lama. And, uh, and it's a llama costume and you put it over and it's got a big long neck that sticks out in front of you. And it's got fake legs that hang off the side. And it looks like you're riding a llama around the arena, right? And uh, this is the first time I ever do it. I've got a big long trench coat on so you can't see my body like in it. It's hot, but I'm thinking this is going to be so great. It's going to be so funny. And uh, I go running out across the arena in this llama costume and my foot caught one of the fake legs and I fell and did a somersault and landed with my feet straight up in the air and on my neck and uh, just about choked myself. But um, people thought it was hilarious. I did not think it was very funny, but people thought it was great. They thought that that was all part of the act, that the llama was supposed to run out there, jump and do a flip. Um, like I said, I knew that that's not what was supposed to happen. The announcer knew um, the stock contractor definitely knew. All I could hear was I was yelling for help because I couldn't get back up because it's this big costume. And he was just standing there laughing at me. So uh, it's stuff like that that you can't get flustered. You just kind of got to roll with the punches um, and it'll all work out, you know. Yeah. So with that, you know, there's a lot of people who are, you know, your age and younger and even adults that really struggle with the fear of what other people think. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's essentially what we're talking about. So what are some suggestions that you have for people to overcome that? Um, so when you're a rodeo clown, you kind of got to not worry about what other people think um, because your whole job is kind of look funny and do goofy stuff. Um, and I just kind of take a pride in it because there's been times that, you know, people – they won't make fun of me, but they'll kind of pick fun. Or my friends at school don't understand, you know, they're like, oh, you know, you wear makeup for a living. And I'm like, well, uh, you know, there's a lot of girls that wear a lot more makeup than me and they do it for free and look funny. So um, <laughs> I just kind of, like I said, roll with the punches. Um, and, uh, and it makes me plenty of money. Uh, it's fun. I enjoy it. And so I figure if I'm enjoying it, why should I? Why should I care what other people think of it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, and it sounds to me, too, like, you know, the one thing that I'm taking away from this is try to find humor in it, you know? Like, if people are making fun of you, like, let them, and just roll with it. Like, let it be funny. Let it be whatever it is. And right. uh, don't let them get to you, because right. at the end of the day, that's a reflection of them and not of you. Right. And that's what, like I said, I've not had a lot of people. Most of my friends think it's cool. They think it's awesome. Like I said, I've just had some people that are like, oh, you know, you're just the rodeo clown. And I'm like, yeah, buddy. Well, I get paid to look funny. You do it for free. Um, and usually yeah. that shuts just. Sorry, we're out here in the middle of the field harvesting and I'm getting instructions as we go. Um, yeah. I told Madison earlier, I'm in a big old tractor and I got a big old part in the right behind me. But um, what is some advice that you would have? for somebody younger than you who is interested in getting involved in clowning? Um, find you a place where you can kind of start and not have to worry about, you know, having the pressure 
of being the greatest you start. Like I did, um, like I said, I went down to Erling Cares and they told me, man, we're just excited to have you. We're thankful to have you. You do you. And they kind of really let me figure it out and, and try different things. Um, and don't get discouraged because like my first two or three times I'd come out and everybody'd be like, man, that was good. And I'd be like, yeah, no, no, it was not because I wasn't as good as all the guys I've been growing up watching, you know, and you're not going to be the first time you ever step out there and do it. You're, you're not going to be that good. And, uh, I would just compare myself to everybody else that are adult men that have been doing this for however so long, my whole time. I mean, guys that I've known my whole entire life and that have done it my whole entire life. Um, I would compare myself to them and be like, ah, you know, I could have done this better. I could have done this better. He did this and I should have done that. And, um, just don't compare yourself to others. Try to be your own self and, uh, understand that there's a process to it you're not just going to jump to the top like that you know that's very good advice we just went to a team open clinic um, my husband and i a couple of weeks ago and that was one of the big things that he talked about you know that one of the biggest mistakes that we make right now especially with so much social media and so much access to watching professionals and other people and and the highlight reels of all of that is that we start to compare ourselves to people that have been doing things a lot longer than us, be it team rope right. or goat time or barrel racing or clowning. And we're giving ourselves a really unfair advantage because, one, it's not realistic because those people had to go through all the steps that we're just starting to go through. Uh, right. So exactly. I, I love that mindset gave because I think that's so true. It's so easy to get caught up in. And even who you're taking tips from, you know, Somebody, uh, you know, who's been doing anything forever is going to be able to give you a tip, but it might not apply to where you're at. Um, right. So just be careful yeah. who you even take advice from because it's, it's good intentions, but they're so far beyond because of their experience level that it doesn't really apply to where you're at right now. You just can't get those steps. Right. That That's just what I meant is... Um, don't compare yourself because where I'm at is not going to be where you start at where, you know, Dusty Myers is at is not where I'm at right now. Um, it just, you kind of got to start and get you a start. And the longer you do it, the better you'll get, you know, as long as you strive to be better and help yourself. Um, and, and don't be afraid to reach out to other people. You know, uh, I've had some of the best mentors in the world, Dusty Myers. Uh, he started out in the high parade made it big in the IPRA. He's moved to the PRCA and like his second year, or third year in the PRCA, he was the alternate barrel man at the NFR. He's climbed to the top and fast. And uh, he's probably been one of my biggest mentors in the clowning game that there is. Um, I grew up with Ryan Rodriguez. He did every big rodeo there was, opened the IFR or opened the NFR one year. Um, just, I've, I've been really blessed to have a lot of good people in my life that have helped me not only clowns but announcers that have helped me matt mcgee um has taught me so much not just about in the arena but outside the arena and, and rodeo life in general you know so i i wouldn't be where i am today without those people that have helped push me and my parents i i i wouldn't be where i was today without them um allowing me and helping me do what i do so don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be, if anybody that wants to get into this game, um, wants to text, call, message me on Facebook, anything, talk to me at rodeos. Don't be scared because I would love nothing more to help somebody like somebody helped me. Yes, sir. One of the quotes that has really stuck with me lately is that those at the bottom compete. Those at the top collaborate. And Correct. when you are working, top-notch people and you're putting yourselves out there and if you're asking people questions if you're asking the right people questions they're going to be there to help you and guide you and they're going to want to see you succeed so um, i love that ask people and get those mentors and you want to put yourself out there yes ma'am very good very good okay so um that's all the questions that i have for today because i gotta start paying attention to being a tractor driver um well I yeah, that's what, that's about time I got to leave for the bull riding too, so. Yeah, so can you just share um, how people can get a hold of you if they're interested in, in learning more about or asking you questions or anything like 
Um, so all my social media is going to be Trey Casey, the kid in the can. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Um, check it out. Shoot me a message if you want to. Um, I'd be happy to answer any questions anybody has. Um, we are booking for 2024 and beyond. So if you have rodeo company or an event, give us a call. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, don't don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to call, text. Um, my number's right there on the page. So if you want to call or text me, that's fine too. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been really cool. And we definitely wish you the best of luck on your endeavors and your future goals. Well, thank you very much. I hope you guys have a great day. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. joining us on this week's Rodeo Kids podcast with Rodeo Kids team leader Madison Horde and Trey Casey, aka the kid in the can. Don't forget to give him a follow and check out what he has coming up and he might even be coming to a town near you or maybe he should be. So this is an awesome opportunity if you are that kind of person, a stock contractor or a producer of some kind of rodeo or jackpot association where a clown could be beneficial this is your kid you know it's awesome to be able to give the next generation like this opportunities because they have to learn somewhere so if you have that ability to give him the opportunity please reach out to him he is doing some fantastic things and making his way in this industry Last but certainly not least, we want to invite you to join us in Las Vegas at the Vegas Toughest World Championship Rodeo, which will take place at the Expo, which is located at the World Market Centers. We are super excited to be joining them. We've got a big booth this year with some jackpot dummy ropings and tie-in matches and stick horse races and coloring contests and all kinds of fun things for youth of all ages. We will be giving away lots of scholarships and cool prizes and have some books because Christmas is coming and education is important. So we've got some um, rodeo related books that will be fun for your whole family to to read, plus some cool swag. And you'll get to meet some of the Rodeo Kids ambassadors and team leaders and myself. And so we're just super excited to be joining them. Again, that is going to be at the Expo at the World market centers we will be there december 6th through the 13th so we will not be there the second weekend but we will be there all the way up until the wednesday of the nfr so uh, stop by and see us let us know if you're coming we'd love to get in contact with you uh, and just learn more about you and what you have going on so um that's it for today stay tuned we've got the rodeo kids team ambassador boys coming up on the next podcast with quite an interesting um podcast with lots of chuckles in it but it's also very informative about the different events in rodeo and just some of the cool things that they have to offer and stuff they've learned along the way so stay tuned give us a follow and safe travels good luck and god bless while you're chasing your gold buckle dreams <laughs>